welcome back, Clone Dance Partiers. This is Season 4, Episode 4, From Instinct to Rational Control. In this episode, Sarah is in bed with snakes. MK got her revenge. Kasima gets to run the science now, bitch. Allison is at her best undercover when she's honest. Rachel's icy exterior is her battle armor. Helena doesn't like to be a bother and so said goodbye. And Charlotte, sadly now, is some science. I'm Liz. I'm Lynette. I'm Janice. I'm Matt. And I'm Sandra. Welcome, Sandra. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you all. Nutty's right. It's lovely to be serenaded by you, Matt. I appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, it should be my thing. It should be your thing. I think you have a new gimmick. Thanks. Uh, So, Sandra, tell us who you are. I am Sandra. Um... Done. I was not All expecting right. this. <laughs> what podcast I was not do expecting you do? Inter- Yes, yes. What podcast do I do? Um, I am a member of Inside the Ropes. You can find us on insidetheropes.co.uk. Important announcement coming about some Inside the Ropes live touring stuff coming soon within the next day or so. So by the time this is posted, head on over there if you live in the UK because some pretty exciting stuff could be happening that, you know, I don't live in the UK, so that's super unfortunate. But... Um, also, you, it's a wrestling podcast. We discuss Raw every week. We have two shows a week. We have a Monday show and a Thursday show. And I especially discuss NXT, which is the development territory of WWE. I say developmental very loosely. It's like it's their third brand now, and it's it's pretty great. So I have a segment on every Monday, and I fill in whenever else I'm needed. The three of us kind of run the show, and it's a good time. If you like wrestling, check us out. Also, go to facebook.com forward slash the inside network and talk to us there. All right. So I don't follow wrestling, but I can imagine that I would enjoy Mexican wrestling because I like colorful masks. Oh, then you would love Mexican. You should check out Lucha Underground. Kind of curious. Lucha Underground is fantastic. If you like things with superheroes and maybe guys who turn into dragons or psycho ninja skeletons who will kill people and break their arms or people who can teleport and really good storytelling and really good characterization and also great action and also lots of colorful masks. And maybe there's a time traveler who has like light up gear and nunchucks sometimes. Lucha Underground is pretty great. You had me at Ninja Skeleton. Electric Death Skeletons, I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> I, might, I might have to look that up because you, you had me at Ninja Skeletons. Yeah, I'm so. pretty sure. And also strong female characters. So Yay! Cool. All right. That's what I do. Well, we're glad you're here with us today. Have you not been on Clone Dance Party before? She has. Yes, she has. Okay. If she hadn't, I would have asked her what her experience is with Orphan Black, but she has been on the podcast, therefore I will not. (laughs) My experience is that Bob told me to watch it, and I watched all of it in a weekend, and then I got hooked. So there we are. All right, so let's dive into the episode. Who's got something to say? Well, first, let me let's talk about the fact that Evie Cho. Remember, you were wondering who she was. Yeah. The beginning. Yeah. There. Now we know she was back further at some time. Right. And she she's the Brightborn lady. Which Brightborn? So, um, I did some research on Brightborn because I've heard it a couple of different places before. Um. And I didn't find anything specifically. I was hoping for something mythological about it because Brightboard tends to come up in some of the um, 
fantasy novels that I read. Um, one specifically, which is amazing, it's called the um, Book of Life trilogy. So good. Read it. Deborah Harkness. Oh my god. Anyway. Um, there's note to check that out. There's witches, vampires, demons, humans, science, historical fiction. You told me to um, read that before I never followed up on that. Do it. So in the books, they reference the Brightborn, which is a hybrid. Okay. Of two different creatures. Right. That take on kind of like the best characteristics of their parents. Um, so that's like immediately kind of what went into my head as soon as they said the Brightborn treatments mm-hmm. was like they're mutants or like not all the way human. Um, and that they have definitely, definitely been modified. Like they might not necessarily be another batch of clones. Because I can't believe that I know IVF clinics can be very big and can help people from all around, not just one small city. Like, not every city has an IVF clinic. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine them implanting clones in that many people in such a close area. Because I think people would start to notice if there was a clone in their kid's class. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably. Like, well, that's something that kind of came up in this episode, right? When Trina came and recognized Allison as Beth. Right. It, it struck me that, and I think you guys have talked about it before, and it's something that's always made me curious. When Sarah found Allison's address and said, you know, oh, she's practically local. And then when Vic recognized Allison in the parking lot as Sarah one time, it seems like there has to be some instance of misrecognition going on if you are that close together. Right. Um, and, like, it seems like uh, the European clones were a little bit more spread out. Like, there was one or two per country. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the, the countries are much smaller, too. The countries are much smaller. Um, but, yeah, I, I just can't, I can't imagine that in one county or one half of a state... They would be implanting that many people with clones. Because hmm. that's going to get noticed. It was like a tax incentive. <laughs> <laughs> For their science experiments. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really feel like there's going to be something like... Um, and I'm scared that fishy is going to be a pun here. But I'm really scared that there's <laughs> going to be something fishy with the embryos that they're implanting. Like, they're not going to be... They're not going to be standard embryos. There's going to be, like, um, what do they call it in the X-Men? What do they call the mutants, the scientific name? Homo superior? Yeah. Like, I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen. Like, they're... Which could tie into the, the worms changing DNA and gene therapy. Exactly. And that's kind of what Evie um, in, in, intimates when she, on that, that video disc, she said, yes, you'll get, you know, have a healthy baby, you know, she's good pregnancy, healthy baby, but we can go beyond that. So yeah. She's kind of changing the world one baby at a time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 That was, you know, that works into how Kira recovered so quickly from her injuries. 
Well, all the sort of a, to do that, yeah. So, yeah, they're homo superiors. They have a little advantage. Except for the whole dying thing. But yeah, that's not so much an advantage for them. I would say that's a pretty clear disadvantage. Something definitely. went wrong there. Definitely. But, no, I didn't even really think about it in terms of Kira's healing power, although it did, and this is something that Kasima didn't seem to pick up on, but what did Kira say in her vision last week when... They were burning Sarah because she was changing. Yeah. Like, that's a little scary. What is, what is it going to do to her? How is it changing her? I mean, it doesn't seem to have really changed anyone that we know that had it, like, visibly. Because who knows how long Dr. Leakey had this thing in his face, right? Right. Because he's the head of Neolution, you know, the figurehead of Neolution. But <laughs> the head of science... <laughs> the head of Dyad, <laughs> but you know, who knows how long he had that thing in there? Or Doctor Nealon would be another one. It didn't look like visibly it changed them, but we don't really know what it was doing to them internally. I guess so. I'll be interested to see how it manifests. Well, and it also could have been, um, like for example, example Olivier with a tail. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason that should have worked. Unless he had the worm, and the worm helps the modifications. That could be. Like, maybe they were planning on, when they did Sarah, they were planning on enhancing her some way. Like, neolutionizing her in some fashion. Um, And so the... the Are they doing this to Sarah because she's Sarah, or because she's the one they had? I I think the one they had, and they were just lucky to have the one they had without the autoimmune disorder. Okay, that's what I was thinking, too. I just wanted to see what you thought. Because um, I think they would do it to any of them. And I think I think actually they'd prefer to do it with someone with the autoimmune disorder to see if it cures them. Oh, well, do you can help end game? Or to help cure them. I think it's definitely one of the possibilities. But she doesn't have the autoimmune disorder, does she? No. That's why I'm thinking they would have preferred someone okay. like Rachel or Kasima or because Rachel has shown no signs of it. Not yet, but neither has Allison. True. I mean, it, it doesn't it seemed like the caster boys died more regularly, I guess. Than the Lita girls, because it seems like there are Lita girls out there who are fine. Like, well, we haven't heard from Tony in a while, um, but he hadn't shown any signs of being ill or anything like that. And Allison's mental, but fine. And, you know, Kasima's the only one who's been really sick, sick right. like, in terms of the clones that we've gotten to know. Obviously, Katya was sick. And we know about Jennifer Fitzsimmons, who came up again in this episode, and some of the other clones. I think Helena's murder spree might have halted more data collection there. Absolutely. Um, and with Tony... Uh, Tony's taking steroids and testosterone, so that could affect how he would present with it or whether he would even show symptoms. Yeah, that's true. So, um, I didn't know if the cyst would still gather and then still affect his lungs, because since it kind of tends to spread to the other epithelial tissues in the body, um, I mean, that would still affect him. But yeah, I mean, it could it could change things, definitely, the hormone therapy. Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's always something to consider when it comes to Tony. 
Which I miss Tony. He needs to come back. I think he's kind of a prick, but an interesting character. Um, mm. I'd like to see his storyline develop more. Yeah, I'd I'd like to, I'd like to just see where he is. Just like, even if we just have like a check-in, like where he like shows up and tells like Sarah and Felix, like, so I've been underground, you know, and here's what I found. Tony would be a prime candidate for a comic one-off. Yeah, Tony, Tony should have had, Tony should have been one of the introductory comics because like, especially considering that Sammy was military and had dealings with, like, Paul and all of that. I really want to know some of that stuff. And I did actually read the comics recently, very recently, because I wanted to find out more about if MK was in them and that kind of thing. So I ended up just buying all of the Helsinki ones. Oh, good. And then you, I can, up, you can remind yeah, me. Yeah, I, I haven't busted them out and reread them. I keep looking at them going, I should reread those because I know I'm getting shit wrong. And then I don't. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I remember them fairly well, and if I need to, I can look on my phone and double-check, But because I bought them digitally. But, yeah, so I ended up buying them, and there's some really interesting stuff. I was all prepared to be like, no, Vera is MK, and yeah, she <laughs> all is. of them. Yeah. She absolutely is, and we actually find that out in this episode. Do we yeah. want to go into that? Oh, definitely. I think that's really important. Um, MK's because whole storyline here is really important, and I really hope that they didn't just bring MK in to have her steal money from Ferdinand and never be heard from again. Like if, really she dis- if she disappears, I'm going to be so pissed. I feel like she's not going to just disappear because we still have Dizzy in the picture and he's connected to her and he's connected to other people that he references. And yeah, I feel like there's deeper stuff going on and like, she's still probably going to be, but I feel like Dizzy just wants to be connected to parts of Sarah also true. Also true. But I'm curious because because I did just read the comics, and it was one of those instances where I was like, I'm really glad that I've read them because they were good and I understand what's going on, but I'm wondering how much I would have understood of, like, the opening segment of the show or when the reveal about Nikki and everything, like, how... I was thinking I might not really understand what was going on if I hadn't read them, so I was curious to get your reactions from the people who haven't read the comics and who don't really know the backstory. Well, I don't know what I'm missing, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'd say that, too. I don't know what I'm missing, but I am but I did watch it twice, and I did pick up things that um, I missed the first time. And, you know, like I was watching, and it's like, well, who's Nikki? Well, you find out who Nikki. You realize who Nikki is. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think I mean, there may still be holes, but I thought I was getting, you know, getting a at least a fair amount of it. And okay, I'm just distracted yeah. by MK's very shaggy wig. It is that. <laughs> and I don't normally notice things like wig and hair and fashion and all that sort of thing, but ooh. Oh, we're that reaching one, the opener levels of, of bad that was Oh, not, God. Kacha's that's not hair. a good, that's not good hair. It's not good hair at all. But, I mean, no. to be fair, MK is probably cutting her own hair. And I think she does it that way to hide her face. Yeah. Well, she, yeah, she definitely has it in her face intentionally to hide the burn, which was interesting. I just, I really liked the opening segment of the show where it showed her timing herself, brushing her teeth and timing herself, flossing and timing herself, doing everything. And I thought it was a really smart way to show MK and just how she goes about her life. And yeah. we've seen stuff like measuring out tea and water and whatnot before. But 
the Dyad Board of Directors graphic that she had, that org chart, I found really fascinating. And I meant to screen cap it, and I didn't, so I don't have it in front of me. But I did watch the segment at least five times, if not more, because I kept rewinding it. Did anyone else notice that one of the people was called Sir Arthur Peckham? Yes. Yes. Remember Andrew Peckham? Like, is that um, significant? I'm tr- I'm trying to have a thought. Andrew, older man? Stolen identity of Ethan Duncan. Thank you. Oh, my brain was trying so hard to get there. I may or may not have just rewatched season one also. <laughs> and two. So. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, oh, and, ah, more things happening in brain. Um, (laughs) Pregnancy is hard on brain cells. (laughs) Um, That's how, that's where Duncan got his name. Yeah. Was Peckham was one of the, was in one of the eugenics programs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's where he got. That's the connection. Okay. Yeah, that's where he got the name was. He took the identity of one of the kids who died in the... Yeah, because I, I remember that it was a stolen identity of, like, a four-year-old or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So I just I thought it was really interesting that there was a Sir Arthur Peckham and an Andrew Peckham. And you know what it probably is, is that someone running the show knows someone called Peckham. And that, yeah. And they're using that name. But it just it kind of triggered that thing in my head. Like, Oh my gosh, that could be really interesting. Yeah. And it blew by and I, and I, I was like, Oh, Hey. And then I was focused on seeing Delphine. Oh yeah. 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 We did see Delphine and also Marion. Yes. Like, yes. And Marion so, and Marion, the, the line went from Marion down to Ferdinand. I was confused about the org chart and it's org. Um, well, it's MK, so Lord only knows. But I think sure. that Marion, I think it was who uh, reports to who. Um, and I Ferdinand think, does report to Marion. Yeah, so I think that was the link. Was the business like that's how she knows she can get to Ferdinand is through Mar- uh, Marion. I think it's interesting that she has that chart because that's one of the things they've done through this whole series is they give you a big bad and then they give you a worse one. So this is kind of like mapping out our whole story, mm-hmm. but maybe you're going to see it from the, the top on the way down. Yeah. And that, that's really kind of cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and with, yeah. there's so many characters in this show that sometimes it's handy to have a chart. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. charts are fantastic for that. Now, Okay, I'm just, I'm not remembering season three very well right now because I haven't just rewatched that. Is Marion dead? Yes. She is. Okay. Did not remember. How, how do we know Marion's dead? Yeah, I don't remember that. Uh, they said it in the, like, one of the first, in, I think they said it in the first episode of this season. Really? They, they yeah. said, and with Marion being dead, we um, don't know where Charlotte is. It was either, like, the last... Like, one of the last two episodes of last season or the first episode of the season? Like, they said. I didn't one of the crazy, uh, what do you call them, guys? Oh, my God, my brain is, I am not pregnant. Caster? Caster Boys, that crazy one, the really nuts one. Didn't he finish her off? If he did, we didn't see it, and he may have just been the one that referenced it. Well, I'll be really sad if I don't get to see Michelle Forbes anymore. I, I love her. I think you're going to be sad. 
Yeah, I just have to watch old episodes of TNG. <laughs> so is Caprica. Oh, I need to watch that. But, um, yeah, so, and somebody on Tumblr pointed out, and I don't remember who it is, and I'm very sorry for not remembering, um, that on all of the people who are deceased, like Leaky and Mar- uh, Marion and everything, it said deceased, but it didn't say that on Delphine. Oh, really? Yeah. Did she have the X over her? Uh-uh. No? Interesting. So, so nobody knows then. Nobody knows if she's dead. Nobody's seen the body. Right, which means if Diana or Neolution uh, did it, they would obviously know. Mm-hmm. She had the worm put in her, right? I don't know. Maybe it rewrote That's her... That's a good point, though, rewrote right? Rewrote her DNA, and now that allowed her to survive the injury? Did the person who shoot her put... Or she was shot, right? Yeah, in the, in the gut. Did, did the person who put the worm in her... Yeah, but it was a gut, not a heart shot. But did the person who shot her put the worm in her? Did, right? No. Uh, what's his name? She would have gotten the worm ages back, right? Yeah, no. But like, uh, if she had it. Neelan broke his worm out and tried to, like, spit it into her. And she, like, flipped out and, like, didn't let it happen. Ugh. I'm going to say, although I'm not a fan of killing characters off and then bringing them back because it seems like lazy, superficial writing. I'm going to say that she was given the worm and it somehow rewrote her DNA and it, that's how she survived. And that's the connection. Okay. Did she know, would she have known about the worm prior to... Well, she's not Neolution, yeah. right? So, probably not. Is she or is she not? She was screwing Leaky. Yeah. Well, he could have insulated her from certain things. He does because seem depending like on how involved she was, time. I mean... Like, if that Trina chick was, you know, super hardcore involved in the illusion or whatever, Delphine was way more involved because she was, like, Dr. Leakey's right-hand girl. Yeah. And sex partner friend. <laughs> Ugh, to that. Sexy Sorry, Matt, Fr- sorry Matt Frewer. No. <laughs> Matt Frewer, not your type? No, I'm sorry. She was a nice guy. Now that you've, but... Yeah, like, now that you've mentioned the... Um, the worm being connected to healing and everything that just opens up all these new possibilities. Doesn't yeah. It? And it, it could verge on what I hate so much in terms of lazy writing. And I just really hope it doesn't become kind of a magic blood kind of a thing. Like I really, I worried about that for multiple seasons with Kira being kind of like the magic bullet or the magic cure or whatever. And I, I don't want, there to be a magic blood situation, like, oh, and now we can heal, and now we can be perfect, and now everything's awesome. Mm-hmm. But, because that was something that, I don't know, it's it's kind of a trope in sci-fi and whatever stories that I just I don't like, because I think it just becomes lazy and becomes kind of a crutch. Battlestar Galactic, that's the most egregious example of it to me. Well, but, yeah. But <laughs> I think for... I mean, you can't get away from it with that example. It's terrible. But... For for this show, because genetics is the big show. No, it's been working on this show so far. A marrow transplant or gene therapy from blood cells would make scientific sense based on yeah this show. So Which is it would why make I appreciate how fit. they've been handling it. Yeah, so for me, it wouldn't quite be mystical blood. It would be. Um, 
it would make it would make scientific sense, even though this is a fictional show. Yeah, it's, I think it's I why think I'm hesitant. The term you're looking for is science fiction. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? But it's not just science fiction. It's about <laughs> genetics and the point diet. You know, point of making better people. Right. Yeah. So, and I'm really hoping they stick with the science aspect of it and don't veer too much into the mystical I guess is my worry because with Kira being potentially psychic or clairvoyant or whatever like I just I worry that she's going to veer into that territory of trope dumb but they haven't gotten there yet it's just a fear but I also think that well I understand the fear again with the show um, having let's say Kira has the has the worm and it's altering her DNA or it's altering her brain function. It could just be that she's more observant, but yeah. she's nine. And uh, you know what I mean? So when a nine-year-old says something that's highly observant that adults haven't picked up on, it sounds creepy. But some of it could just be um, her being um, overly observant or overly empathetic. I'm more than willing to grant her hyper-observation. Like, if some sort of worm, or even if just her, by virtue of being the daughter of a clone, gives her extra brain function or something, to right. even just equal Sean Spencer's gifts on psych. Like, yeah, he's not psychic, but he just he observes everything in the world and that he can right. play it off, also because he's just a damn charismatic individual. Or also, but, she, you know, she was raised by Mrs. S, and Mrs. S always has one eye trained over the back of her shoulder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, and Sarah was a drug dealer and a con man, so there's a lot, I think, that Kira could have just been taught without anybody realizing they were teaching her to just be super oh, yeah. observant all the time. So, and I'm into that. I'm totally into that. Hello? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's just quiet. It all of a sudden, got really quiet. I'm just, I'm just thinking about how Kira needs to be in school. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Uh, she's not socializing with other kids. She's not learning anything. I'm assuming. I mean, maybe Mrs. S is teaching her how to, I don't know, hotwire a car or defuse a bomb. But is she learning? I would say that Kira <laughs> and Charlotte are in very English. similar situations at the moment, because both are being very isolated from their worlds for entirely different reasons. But both are being isolated from their worlds and not told anything about can, what's going on. Well, I can see that uh, Charlotte has a tutor. But... Oh, she's a, no, she's taking online courses. Yeah, yeah, yeah online courses. Which is probably well, online, what they're doing. Online courses actually. for like an eight-year-old. It's like They have those. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah they do. I saw an ad on a bus recently for that. It was weird. Oh, man. What a, what a world we live in. I have a friend who homeschools her kids, um, and uh, after, like, second grade, almost all their stuff is online. Yeah, it seems very strange. I don't know. But... So, do we want to move to the whole... Uh, uh, what is the, What was that place called they went to? Allison and Johnny oh, okay. Felix? Oh, my God, I love Allison and Felix. Uh, <laughs> and Donnie. Honestly, just make them the show. That would be <laughs> I know. Awesome. Um, there he is. I love how Felix called out Donnie 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, me too. And was like, do you have any gay friends? No. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> Not in Bailey Downs. Especially in Bailey Downs. Oh. Replace Bailey Downs with Hudsonville, and that was my childhood. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and so, like, stop having, stop acting. Just be a person. Like, just because I am super flamboyant doesn't mean that's how all gay people are. <laughs> it was pretty great. And then later they kind of got it down, though. Although, talking about the, what was it, life something, fertility, I can't remember. But, yeah. Um, life springs. Yeah, yeah, life yeah. springs, yeah. Life springs. Going to life springs. As prepared as Allison was, right, like, in how long did this take? Like, a day? She had time to print out a book's worth of material, bind it with plastic tab. Like, those books are expensive if you're going to make them. So clearly the drug money is paying off. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, in all of this preparation, all of this reading material, all of the floor plans, all of the, you know, everything, falsifying medical records. So poor whoever those guys actually are, they're having medical records attached to them that are not theirs like that's super fraudulent right all of this goes through my mind having worked in healthcare administration but all of this preparation and none of them thought to think who's going to be the father <laughs> yeah they kind of just threw up the air do we have a surrogate planned those types of questions would be like the first things that would come to my mind right, right. like like, maybe we should get our story straight instead of just having all of this stuff prepared. Like, clearly, no, it's more fun this way. Well enough. Yeah. <laughs> get in the car, guys. We're going on a field trip. Where are we going? <laughs> for ice cream. Shut up. Don't ask questions. Well, I'm going to go make a baby. <laughs> well, and also, they could do what some friends of mine have done, which is... Mix it together? Yeah, they mix it together, and whoever gets, yep. it, gets it, and no one knows. Yeah. I just feel like that sort of plan should have been discussed before meeting with the doctor. Because if I were that doctor, or I don't know if it was a doctor or administrator or whoever, I'd be like, mm, are they really ready for this? I'm not right. sure. They don't seem to have, have everything planned. Although we do want their money, so we yes, will accept them. Yes, they can pay. Maybe we will. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I also <laughs> think that, like, there's also the, um, like, well, I want to be the father, but... If my sperm count's not good enough, that you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's wait to see who has better sperm, and then we can go from there. <laughs> um, I love that Allison owns a laminator, because of course yes. she does. <laughs> oh, of course she does. Oh, you used to do laminator? Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> I have to assume that she's had plenty of old laminators, and that this is an upgrade. Not that she yeah. just acquired her first <laughs> laminator. Yeah, no, no, oh, no, no, this is not her first laminator. No, no. She this probably is got her money first... is paying off. Oh, she probably has several of di for different sizes, different size. Well, she got her first laminator at like ten. Mm hmm. To laminate her homework. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. My mother was a teacher, and I had her laminate a lot of things for me. Like if I got like a poster or something. Oh hell yeah! I'd be I like, worked Mom, in a library. The laminator. Mom, laminate this. Yeah. I'd have worked at a print shop. Like, I would just show up, and he'd be like, oh, my God, you cannot laminate anything else. He said, I can. Your boss already said it's fine, and now I know how to use the machine. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> I can do whatever. I can make a book if I want. Go away. Knowledge is power, Dad. Yeah. 
I know how to do everything back here. As long as you have a jerry-rigged machine, so only you can use it. <laughs> uh, Laminating things is way too exciting, I will say that, as a craftsperson, you're not a... It's really satisfying. It is. It really is. It's like it'll last forever. Mm-hmm. You can write on it with special markers and then wipe it off. I know. It's really <laughs> who the, exciting. Who would and not it, want to do that? And when it comes out <laughs> perfect with no bubbles... Oh, it's like the best, most satisfying feeling. It really is. <laughs> we're I giant dwarfs, Janice. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so then the thing with Donnie and Allison happened. <laughs> and I love Allison. Donnie, I'm in a public place. You're in a car and you're talking. What else are you going to be doing, Allison? Sir, you have to put on your set belt. Hold on, hold on. Uh, see, I know, man, but um, well, I'm having trouble doing up the buckle. I'll take a look. See, oh, it's a grande, molto duro. Very duro. Hey, but uh, come with me to the lavatore. Please, take me to the lavatory. Is that your leaning tower? It's not leaning anymore. Oh, I got two spicy meatballs for you, baby. So spicy. Oh, oh and it's so tight in your airplane lavatory. I'm arriving. I'm landing. Uh, oh, no, no. I'll I'll tell you what she's doing. She's putting her hand suggestively on the gear shift. Yeah, yeah, she is. And honking the horn. Her talking on the phone to Donnie is not going to draw any attention in that parking garage. However, her slamming her hand on the horn because she's getting off on it, that is going to attract attention in that parking garage. And honestly, (laughs) aim elsewhere and you'll be fine. Honestly, Allison getting off on it just as much as Donnie... I think is what made me more uncomfortable because we'd never see Allison in that kind of sexual frame. Um, and so seeing her be that sexual felt like very much something we weren't supposed to see. I feel I like we've we only seen it once more. We saw it with the their money dance, like their dirty. Yes. Yeah, yes. I was going to say, we have seen it before. But it is. It is. But there unusual. was no vocalization. No. Okay. Just sensible yeah. cotton panties and glitter. <laughs> exactly. This was a lot different than sensible cotton panties and glitter. <laughs> and, oh. and by the way, we saw Donnie's underwear again. Oh, oh my god! But it's the first time we've seen it in a little while. So it's been <laughs> a while. I just love that he forgot to open the cup. <laughs> I know. I thought of it. I'm like, isn't that your first step? Like. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to have to recharge and do this again, do you? Oh, my God. And I just, I like, and I love how it wouldn't have even dawned on Donnie to be like, oh, I'm bisexual. Can I have a variety? I know, because they don't have any of those either in that town, right? No, they definitely (laughs) don't have any bisexuals in Bailey Downs. (laughs) No, not one. Um, the so, fertility clinic must be fairly close to Bailey Downs then. Yeah. Because if this Porsche woman who 
the actress who played her was on Queer as Folk. So right after getting kind of a gay PSA about the, you know, 5 to 10% of your friends are homosexual and no, they're not, and da 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 And then I see, um, now I'm blanking on her character name from Queer as Folk. I think it was Tracy. But I was like, oh, this is like the happiest little gay section of this <laughs> show. And I just felt very at home. But... <laughs> But yeah, that just like that cracked me up. That like it didn't even dawn on Donnie to be like, actually, I'm bisexual. Can I write? Nope. Calls his wife. I need a little Aritalia. Well, <laughs> come on, Aritalia was probably more, yeah, you know, convincing and helpful for him. Oh my god. I, like I was texting Lynette during the whole thing. Just oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I knew exactly. What she was, was like, so you're at Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god my husband walked into the room mid Aritalia and <laughs> no. he's watched so a pretty good deal of Orphan Black with me he doesn't watch it religiously but I watch it enough and he's around enough that he's seen most of it and he just he stopped and he looked at the television and he goes what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> and I was like yep that's Allison and Donnie Donnie needs to donate sperm. Apparently they have an Italian air fantasy. And he was just like, wow. Yeah, yeah I was, sat down and watched the rest of it with me. I was waiting for, like, because I was watching it. And when that came on, it was about time that Jake normally gets home from his morning patients. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> but he happened to be late that day, so we totally missed it. And I, oh, I didn't rewind and make him watch it. But it was so, like, as soon as he got home, and I was like, dude first thing like Allison and Donnie phone sex but with an Italian <laughs> accent and he just looked at me he's like I don't even, I have to go study <laughs> but yeah I just oh my god yeah it made me laugh quite a bit so we're jumping around but Sarah and Dizzy oh I was just gonna say for my note for that scene I just wrote amazing and then I underlined it <laughs> yeah Sarah and Dizzy are really interesting, right? Like, I really want to know who Dizzy's connection, like, because we we don't really know anything about him, other than that he was in contact with Beth, and he had information about Neolution that he got from MK, but how does he know her? Like, I'm really interested to hear more of the backstory of them, and I hope we get it, if not in show form, in comic form or something at some point, because I think that would be really cool. He seems like a whole separate connection network, potentially. And for some reason, and this makes no sense, and I don't think it's true, but, like, what if Adele is connected to his people and all these conspiracy theories that are going down in my head because, oh, another network of conspiracy. Well, I don't trust anybody new. No. So I don't trust Izzy at all. Oh, no, I don't trust him necessarily, but um, he's interesting. I want to know where he's from. I don't think he's from the Neolutionists. I think he's somewhere else. But... I think he's super from Canada. <laughs> like, listen to him. <laughs> he yeah. sounds like a Canadian? I thought he sounded, <laughs> I thought he sounded Irish at one point. Yeah, he no, has that borderline Irish mumbly Canadian thing. Okay. Mm. Um, and he was on the after show this week. Or was he? And that's, See, I'm not purposely not watching the after show. It's all, it, no, you should know. It's better. Okay, because I was really kind of like, you guys just pissed me off. <laughs> no, they, they like, yeah, the, yeah, it's calmed down a lot. It's, it's better. Okay, Although, good. I will say, I did not watch last week with, um, 
when Ari Miller was the only guest, I didn't care enough. Okay. Uh, he's not the most dynamic of guests. He's not. Neither okay. is the guy who plays Dizzy, uh, Joel Thomas Haynes. Mm. I am looking him up. And he is from Newfoundland, Canada. Huh? Yeah. Where are you right? I looked it up because actually, Janice, I thought he sounded Irish also. Mm-hmm. And there are a few wrestlers who are very Canadian. And okay, so like cards on the table. I watch Total Divas, which is super trash reality television, but I'm really, really into it. And like one of the wrestlers' fathers and like families are like they're very, very Canadian. And I was like, oh, he does kind of sound like the Nighthearts, though. So Ooh. he's from Newfoundland. So. Um, Maybe that's a new Finland accent. Yeah, possibly, because that's just how he talks. Like, mm-hmm. he was on the after show, and that's exactly how he sounds. And by the way, I think he really is dizzy, because he sat between, uh, it was Kristen, Braun, and, no, it was it was Scott, and someone else who's all talkative. Um, and then Dizzy's just literally sitting there in the middle, like, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> like Ari Millen on some of the Comic Con panels that I've seen. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys have watched those, but yeah, he they made just... me fall in love with Dylan Bruce, and I can't be mad at Paul after that. I don't think we can be sisters anymore. We can be mm-hmm. sisters. <laughs> it's okay to like Dylan Bruce and not like Paul. That's yeah. true. I mean, Dylan Bruce is awfully pretty. He's pretty and funny. Like get Dylan Bruce and Christian Brun in a panel, and they're just hilarious together. It's, I think he's a great actor. I think it's, it's, it's virtually impossible for anybody to like that character. I think they do that on purpose. <laughs> you know. No, I think he was supposed to be liked because there's a lot of people who like Paul and who think I'm just horribly mean for disliking him. But there are also <laughs> the same people who think Buffy should have ended up with Riley. So, I mean, well, oh, those people awesome. are not your friends. True yeah. story. That second statement is just ridiculous. Let's be fair. Oh like, my god, I had to stop following some people on Tumblr. Oh, yeah. That's when you turn off notifications. heard of that. Yeah, no, like, there's a huge, like, they're also the same people who think the show should have been about Dawn. What? Like, okay. Like, that, uh, when Buffy dies in season five, that six and seven should have been all about Dawn. What? And how Dawn was one of the best. And, like, they're Wait, not even joking. Back to, what kind of ship do you call that? I don't know. Russell <laughs> And then, oh, and they also hate Willow. What? Uh, yeah. Okay, Oh. I, I, I can. My jaw is increasingly that. dropping, and I don't have much more room to be aghast here. Yeah. I can I understand not liking like Willow. Well, I see. I think Willow is one of the most human characters because she goes the way she goes through her growth and everything. Oh, there are times absolutely. I don't like her. Yeah, but like but they you like not like, like her. But they no, they don't just like oh she's not my favorite or whatever. Like they hate her. Like, oh, my God. I think even when she pisses me off, she's compelling. Yeah. She does a heel turn very well, for those of you who watch wrestling. Well, that's the thing about all these the characters on there is that you don't like them all the time, but you have friends like that, too. You don't like them all the time. Exactly. Dude, exactly. I'm like that. Like, right? <laughs> you know, it's just like they're real, like, they're, they're more formed characters than anybody I know. And to bring it know. back. Which That's is what I like about Orphan Black so exactly. much, actually. Because, yeah. like, right now, do I like whatever, whatever what Sarah's doing all well, the time? No. no. Do I like her hair? Mm-hmm. No, it's terrible. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone else has that feeling toward her hair, but I'm just not a fan. And 
Well, I'm not a fan of the short shorts and the tights she was wearing in this episode. Like She I'm, makes some poor choices. Like, I'm sorry, are you 19 again? What the hell? Yeah. I don't know. Sarah's like, you know, like, that's a kind of druggy kind of acting. I don't know. She looks weird like about. she just stepped off the train. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Hair's kind of weird, and, and she looks very unkept. And Well, I mean, she, like, to fit in with, like, Dizzy and his crowd, she well, probably yeah. can't show up looking too nice. Yeah, but, but I don't think she's that. I think she just has gotten herself into such a state she's not taking care of herself. I agree. Yeah. She looks really strung out. Like She really yeah. does. Which is a testament to makeup and to Tatiana Maslany for, like, Sarah looks super strung out, but none of the other but girls. But Allison looks great. Right. Is, <laughs> is that supposed to be telling us that she is changing and that her, she's starting to look different and act different? Maybe. Is that what they're go- where they're going with that? Maybe. Could be, or that she's just, I mean, she's mentally, she's not all there right now. She's very nervous, and she's she's completely anxious about her situation, which I understand. Like, I think her anxiety is a little, like, you shouldn't really be afraid to brush your teeth, because you had this thing in your face for a while, and you didn't know, and it was fine. So touching it is okay, you know? Like, it's it's not going to tendril, shoot, murder, kill your face just Mm -hmm. by touching it I don't know I'd be kind of scared but Otherwise, I would yeah, be a in your head so I do know that you can become very obsessive about things it, whether they're real or not that's and I know true. that state of mind so you know especially if she's really really stressed out so I can see her being that way I can understand that yeah I would I freak say out. it's appropriate but uh, you know then again it never is so yeah you know, that's you have to true and she is kind of at the end of her rope here because yeah. there's there's so much going on, right? Like, she finally got to Iceland. She was happy. Things were kind of going okay. Like, not ideal because she couldn't really talk to the outside world, like, at all. But she and Siobhan and Kendall and Kira had their thing going on, and it was all right. And then they get this call from this strange woman, and they have to literally burn down their life <laughs> again. Right. You know, like, they're constantly having to you know, uproot and do all this stuff. And then they're, she's trying to figure stuff out. And now she has a thing in her face. And I think it really manifests in that conversation that she has with Allison on the phone after Trina approaches Allison in the cafe when Sarah's like, well, can you go there? Can you, you know, go to the clinic? Can you find something out? And Allison's just so, I have budgets to review. I'm really more of an idea person. Like they're used to depending on Sarah and maybe because I, and Beth, and I think it's because I did just rewatch seasons one and two. Um, but at one point, Sarah says, you know, this is a self-defense fund. Last I checked, I'm the only one defending us. She's still kind of in that role. Even though she's been kind of removed, they still depend on her for leadership and for ideas and for decision-making and for direction. And that's a lot to handle, especially when she is worried about her daughter. She's not doing a great job at taking care of Kira at this point, let's all be honest. But I don't know that I would be doing a great job of any of this if I were in her position. I'd probably be doing a much worse job, to be fair. So she has so much going on, and she pretty much loses it with Allison. You know, like, just pull your weight for once. And, you know, Felix being the eternal sidekick and the eternal, like, Felix just has such a big heart that, you know, I'll help. I'll help you, Allison. And that's good because in helping Allison, he's helping Sarah not to lose it also. 
Right. right. But I also think that uh, Sarah was totally forgetting that Allison was taking care of Helena. Right. That's a good point, like, too. That's a lot of weight to be pulling. Right. Yeah. Both literally and figuratively. Um, and emotionally. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very worried about Helena. They're going to capture her. Oh, I hope not. I do, too. I cannot take another season of Torture Helena. I can't. And which they? Well, and I don't know. Anybody who wants... Everybody will want her, I assume. Um, and I would like... Okay, so the Donnie-Helena conversation. Which one? <laughs> um, the one about Allison? Yeah. Where yeah. she was making a mess, but she wasn't in the craft room, and yeah. I, my heart just, like... Yeah, you know, with emotion, and I wanted to cry, and I didn't because I wasn't in a crying mood, but I really could have if it were a different day. Yeah. Um, yeah. When Donnie is, like, explaining to her Allison's infertility, um, I absolutely do not think he was doing it from a mean place. I think he was trying to protect his wife. Um, and I do think it's something that Helena probably just did not get. No, I think it was all very genuine. I didn't even, it never even crossed my mind that he was being mean to her. But I think, something that crossed my mind actually was, oh, Matt, when you said Donnie was like dumb and I agreed with you because he just like didn't get it. Like he didn't understand that Allison was going through this. Apparently he did. Yeah. Um, Yeah, apparently. and, And so to have him have that conversation with Helena, I think that it was really important for that conversation to happen with Helena, uh, because Helena just sees uh, Gemma and Oscar. Oscar, thank you. I knew it started with an O. Um, she she just sees them as the Hendrix babies. She doesn't mm-hmm. understand maybe that they're adopted or they could be science babies. She doesn't. Well, I think she. I think she must know that they're adopted. She she. I mean, the fact that she's putting up with them at all is a big step for Helena because she doesn't. She's didn't like black people at the beginning of the, the um, show. Really? I don't remember yeah. that. I don't remember that either. I think she... Yeah, remember she, she... Remember the woman who carried them, the surrogate? Oh, that's right. She, she did balk at that. She was not but happy that was, at that, all. To me, I read that more as I read that as she was par- sort of parroting the words that the guy spoke to her. Back, and back and to also her. that it was that it was more that she came from science, that her and Sarah didn't come from the, like... Well, well I guess she def- believed before def- that that she was the original. Yeah, right, so there was, defi- there was definitely that, but I definitely got... I mean, didn't she... She made some... I can't remember what it was, but I I was pretty sure she made some kind of nasty remark, and it may have been referring to Amelia as as an animal or something like that. I see, but I took it, I took that more uh, as like she was shocked of the science behind it, like she didn't understand science babies, and that any like. The fact that she came from someone who is so obviously not her mother, her biological mother, would be just such an abomination. Helena was supposed to be the original, so she would have come from her mother. That's how I read it, too. 
not this stranger who she obviously has zero genetics with it was that's how i took it was that she can't possibly be from science because she is the original so well, the person I, there was who certainly that her, but i i so that's, I that's definitely how i took it yeah okay i definitely got i agree with you that that was definitely something that was going on in her mind but i also got this sense that okay i don't know maybe I got the sense that it was because she was black, but maybe it wasn't that she was black. It was just so obvious that, like you're saying, it was just so obvious. But I, I that Helena couldn't was... be her biological child, right? Yeah, I mean yes. that's how I read it, and I, and I didn't... never had a problem with Gemma and Oscar. It's her sister's babies. Yeah, and Helena's always been very good with children. Like she's always, yes. she's always yes. accepted Oscar and Gemma from from what it seems to me. And in terms of, like, her interaction with other races, like, she was friends with Maggie Chen, which is something we find out in the comics. And I right. don't think they've really explained it in the show. Like, it, she's defended Maggie, and she mentioned to Sarah or, yeah, she mentioned to Sarah when she thought Sarah was Beth or when they were talking about how she wasn't Beth or something. Like, you know, you killed Maggie Chen, and I want my knife back, and such and And so... But it's it's really interesting that you read it that way. Um, yeah, so I don't think that Helena would have necessarily understood that Allison and or Donnie couldn't have biological children. I don't know if it ever came up in conversation with the with. But I don't think it would have dawned on her that that's why they're adopted. Yeah. Yeah, that that I can believe. So I think that like that's why Donnie was explaining like we're really happy for you. But this is really hard for Allison because she can't. And I think that if he had gone on to explain that only you and Sarah can, none of the rest of your sisters can have babies. Because Helena's never been a part of those conversations. Yeah, they, they've always kept that from her because they think that Meathead wouldn't understand. Mm-hmm. And so Helena seems to understand a lot more than she Anybody gives her. gives her credit for it, absolutely. And so I think that that was... Um, that was a really important conversation for Donnie to have because I don't think Helena truly understood what Allison's problem with her was. She's like, I'm not making a mess of the craft room. Why does Allison hate me? Mm-hmm. Well, it has nothing to do with it. Well, it has a little to do with the mess because it's Allison. <laughs> well, I love how she's like, is it because I have babies and I brought the police? <laughs> and he's like, no, no. Well, the police maybe a little bit, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, maybe the doing of the murders was an issue, and maybe that just brought some extra drama that Allison didn't need, and that was a little bit fair. But, you know, the main point of this conversation. Yeah. And so I think that was um, – I've, I've read Harold's uh, feedback, and he uh, has a different point of view on this from his life experiences and everything. But um, for me – if I were staying with a family member who was helping take care of my very large pregnant self right now and they had struggled with infertility and it was still a rough topic for them, that would be something I would want to know. Yeah, um, absolutely. Having gone through a miscarriage and and everything, um, like I would want to be aware of it uh, because I've been in the position where I've been the one who felt like they weren't going to be able to get pregnant. And it seemed like everybody around me was pregnant. Um, so I've, I've kind of been on both sides of it. And so 
I really think that Donnie did the right thing. Although I think he should have anticipated Helena leaving. See, I didn't anticipate her leaving at all. Nor did and, I. So, like, I saw the conversation between Donnie and Helena as very sweet and not oh, at all malicious. And like, you know, I mean, like you say, Sestra, like a a conversation that needed to happen. And I thought it was really awesome. So at the end, when Helena was talking to her babies, oh, and Ave Maria was playing in the background, which it seems oh, is like the soundtrack oh. for people dying or leaving or getting oh, murdered or something in television oh. and film. Like, it's never good when Ave Maria plays in the background. Yeah. Like something is about to go down, right? And so when she was having that conversation with her babies, even... As she's talking, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't feed you liquid nitrogens or whatever. It it didn't occur to me that she was leaving until she said goodbye, Femily Hendrick. That was was like, wait, what? (laughs) And I was just baffled. I was because Helena, Helena doesn't like Helena doesn't like to be a burden, and she doesn't like to upset her sisters. She doesn't, and and like I understand that that's what's going through her mind, but I just never even got that until she said goodbye, and I was like, "Wait, what? Where are you going? What are you gonna do? This is a bad choice. They love you, I promise." Right? You know, like she's part of their family, and Allison, Allison's a lot to handle, and Allison handles things in her own way, and I can see where like Allison and Helena are the polar opposites right and so them living together is just a very interesting situation to begin with and I can see where Helena might feel uncomfortable and you know Allison's probably thought more than once I wish she weren't here like she practically all but said it last time but right she's not going to kick her out I don't know like I'm wondering if she's still going to reach out to her sisters if she's just going to disappear if she's looking for Jesse towing yeah <laughs> Right. Well, I would not be upset if Jesse came back and they got together. But I will say that there was more comedy to be mined from her living at that house. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's going to put more stress on Sarah because Sarah's going to be the one who feels responsible to go and find her. Sarah's going to lose it. So. Because I feel like I feel like Kasima can't leave the lab. Like she's not well enough. Not for long periods of time, at least. And Allison is Allison, and Rachel well, Allison has children. Yeah, and Rachel is in a prison somewhere. So I think, like, literally, the only option to go and make sure Helena is saved is Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, because Siobhan has to stay with stay with. Um, she has to stay with Kara. Kara. I think the day that Helena and MK meet will be very, very interesting. Yes. Because they are very similar in a lot of ways. And also, I don't know that MK will react well to Helena, meaning I don't think she will at all. Yeah, no, I don't think she'll enjoy meeting the clone that was killing the other clones. No. Helena was kind of her own private Helsinki for a little while. Yeah, I don't think that MK will be able to deal with that. And maybe just don't tell MK all of the details, but right. Can we talk about Rachel? Absolutely, because some interesting things are going on with Rachel, and like we haven't really talked about the whole Charlotte treatment situation at all. And also, 
before we get to that, there's there's a thing in the comics. Is it okay if I like yes, talk go ahead. about the comics? Okay. Because they're out, like they're out there for public consumption. They have been for a while and the fifth issue isn't out and I'm really kind of upset about it because I really, really want to have it. Um but in the comics, um when MK is talking to Ferdinand and everything and they mention Rachel, I just something that's really interesting to me is that Rachel was A there the day of the fire that, you know, quote unquote killed both her parents but didn't actually kill either of her parents. Right. But also MK was there and that's how she got the burn on her face. Right. Because MK was in this like closet room place and Rachel goes in to meet her and she's like, Why do you look like me? And they have this really interesting interaction. Right. And then the fire starts and Dr. Leakey grabs Rachel and takes her out of the lab and her parents are quote unquote dead, even though neither of them are because this show is just wrapped in subterfuge. <laughs> but also interesting is that Rachel hates MK for surviving like all throughout Rachel's formative years until she found out that Ethan Duncan was alive. She's hated MK for surviving when her parents didn't. And they had another interaction after MK was burned and had skin grafts and they were trying to take care of her. There's a scene in the comics that's just really disturbing. Like Rachel's a very disturbing character to begin with. And the comics kind of lend even more light to that. Just how disturbed and twisted her mind kind of gets sometimes. MK's lying in a bed in bandages and um, Dr. Leakey is there and, or maybe it's Dr. Nealon, I can't remember, but Rachel just starts wailing on MK, like slapping the shit out of her. Like you shouldn't have lived. My parents died. You should have died instead. Like it's MK's fault somehow, even though she was sitting like locked in a room in a chair when the lab exploded, like clearly she had nothing to do with it, but Rachel starts like beating her up and, that's something that Vera or MK remembers in the first issue. It's she remembers this person called Rachel and she remembers Rachel being really mean and really abusive to her. Yeah. So there's, there's that scene with MK and Ferdinand where he mentions Rachel and she gets a look on her face. She's like, Rachel, because on the show, I can't even remember because I've read the comics. And so I know the story. Have they mentioned Rachel to MK at all? Like, has she ever talked about her other than scanning her ID or whatever for dyad? Um, yeah, they, they reference that she needs, uh, Sarah told her in this episode, like, we need him to get to Rachel. Yeah. Like, one of our sisters is, and she was like, yeah, fuck that bitch. Right, yeah. Like, that's part of why MK is like, fuck that bitch. Yeah. Because not only is, you know, anything else that she would know about her from her research into Dyad, but also Rachel was very abusive to MK as a child. Yeah. So I just think that's a really interesting yeah. background. Well, I see. I didn't even know that Rachel and MK knew each other, so. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's, the show brings up that at all. Yeah. They, no, they, I don't they, think they were, like, meant. teenagers. Like, no, really they were young. They were young. Yeah. Like, like really it was, young. it was at the time of the fire, so I think they were, like, eight or something. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, uh. Yeah, so she's not going to, I don't care if you need Ferdinand to go get that bitch. And she knows that Rachel was behind Helsinki also. Yeah. Because Rachel, as a teenager, was involved in the boardroom scene where they decided to go forward with the Helsinki protocol. Yeah. And exterminate the clones who had found each other and become self-aware. Yeah. Because only Rachel was supposed to be self-aware. Yeah. 
and she liked being special. And she found out MK was a part of that group, and yeah, Rachel. So Rachel and MK have some pretty dark history. Yeah, Rachel liked being the only self-aware clone. Because if she was going to be a clone and had all these other people who were just like her, she wanted to be the, the unique one. Uh, which is why she is so pissed that Sarah, of all people, mm-hmm. can have babies and she cannot. And it's just, it's so interesting because it it reminds me that even though Rachel's very sympathetic right now, Rachel has not been a sympathetic character. No, she's not. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. has not been a sympathetic character at all. And for some reason... Vera or MK just like triggers this thing in Rachel too and not that Rachel on the show knows about her but like in the comics like for some reason that woman surviving the fire that her parents quote unquote did not like yeah. it just it drives her mental and they actually share kind of similar proclivities in terms of like times when Rachel's interrupted or not in control of things that drives Rachel crazy. You know, we saw that with her, you know, dirty, sexy Rachel when she has to be in control of everything. Yeah. And and I think that's why she didn't like Sarah because MK and Sarah have that similar dirty, grudgy, I don't care look. Yeah. And I think that that just immediately, like, Rachel's like, oh, God, another one. Well, and MK and Sarah both have something that Rachel feels was taken from her, right? Like, MK has her life when her parents when she, she thought her parents don't. Yeah. And Sarah is able to reproduce when Rachel can't. And as young as, you know, eight years old or whatever, Dr. Nealon is having a conversation with Rachel, and this is in the comics also, but um, he's having a conversation with her. You know, not all girls get to become mothers when they grow up. And she's like, what's going on? Like, you know, why can't I? And all of that. And... It's it's just really interesting, I think, knowing the backstory. So I just kind of wanted to share some of it with you guys because I think it's informative, I guess. You're making me want to read the comics. They're yeah. so good. And I don't read comics very much either. That's the thing. Like, comics as a medium don't appeal to me because I have trouble following dialogue and action simultaneously. So even though I'm a huge superhero fan, like I'm one of the biggest Superman fans you'll ever meet, I don't like comics as a medium that much, but I decided to read the previews on Comic Book Resources, I think, or IDW. I can't remember which site I went to, but I was like, okay, a lot of this is dialogue and story and background, and a lot of the dialogue takes place, like, seated. There are some action scenes, but the art is clear enough that I can understand it, because I've been kind of comics illiterate for all of my life, and it's been a problem. And they're, they're actually really, really good, so I do recommend them. And digitally, they're like two bucks an issue, so. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. I wonder if it's available in a trade paperback. The first series is the ones that detail the the clones. I think it's Helena, Kasima, Allison, Sarah, and Rachel. That is available in a trade paperback. Nice. The Helsinki ones issue five isn't out yet, so. I'll look that up right now, actually. It's coming. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. So anybody listening, I recommend that you read them, even if you're not super into comics, because I'm not. But the stories are good. They're very good. And the insight into the clones is also really interesting. I I like seeing the backstory. The Rachel one especially. I haven't read Sarah, and I haven't read Allison, because I didn't 
care as much about those. And in reviews, it sounded like the Sarah one was very much a mirror of the pilot. But um, you really the rest should of them read them. Good. They're really good. I do yeah. plan to. Sarah and plan. Allison are really good. Allison especially. Yeah. Mm. And the Rachel one is the the first character one that I bought because it tied into Helsinki. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the stuff in the Helsinki comics references Rachel. And I was like, okay, I, I need to find out more about this because they talk about, you know, the burned girl and whatnot and that being Vera. And yeah. It's all really interesting. If you like, you know, watching this show and analyzing it, which clearly you do, because why would you be listening to this if you didn't? And why would, why would we be sitting here on this conversation if we didn't like watching the show and analyzing it, right? Then clearly we're interested in the backstory and finding out more and learning more details. And no, it doesn't answer all the questions. It does give you more questions in true orphan black fashion. So that's pretty great about them, too. It's, I don't know, they're entertaining and they definitely lend some more insight. Definitely. And it's not that expensive. But, I mean, speaking of Rachel and Charlotte, this is a pretty difficult decision that she has to make and that they're putting on her. And also, as a side note, why does everyone wear white and beige in that compound? Yeah. (laughs) real. To look clean and pure. Apparently. They seem very, like... It's just such an interesting wardrobe choice to me because, like, Charlotte doesn't. Charlotte, Charlotte wears some black. Yeah. And it's I think it's kind of cool in terms of the show, like, the, the wardrobe and makeup choices that they make. Because even Rachel's eye patch is white. Right. Yeah. Yes. So do you I would think say she... it's purity, but it's also Rachel. Yeah. So do you think that she really met what she said about Charlotte's treatment? I think she did. I think she has no heart at all. I think, like I said in my intro, that her icy exterior is her battle armor, especially when it comes to Susan. I think she said that because, A, that's what Susan wants to hear, and, B, if Susan thinks that uh, Rachel is doing what's best for the science, that she'll watch her less, and maybe watch, watch who less Rachel, Rachel, and who maybe watch, wait, Susan. Watch? Susan will watch Rachel less if Susan thinks Rachel is complying. Yeah, complying, right. and so that way Rachel will have an easier time to get away because Rachel has no freedom right now. Yeah, like there's that that point where they tell Charlotte to go to her room, and Rachel says maybe someday I'll be allowed to visit you there. Yeah, like, Rachel, so Char- can't, so Rachel leave can't leave her room. She can't even go into Charlotte's room. Like, much less, obviously, she's not leaving the compound. They won't tell her where it is. But she has no freedom right now at all. And that it, has to drive her crazy. We were just talking about her control issues and needing to be in control of every situation. Not only has her injury and being disabled taken control away from her, but she can't even leave her own room. And that has to drive her insane. But in terms of her having no heart, it seems like this was a very difficult decision for Rachel. And I have to wonder if, like, there are so many complex factors that go into it, right? Because Charlotte is sick, and we know that. And Charlotte will die without treatment, because we know that, too. But I like that... I don't think Rachel comes off as heartless, because she brings up to Ira in the conversation that they had, you know, why not try immunosuppressant therapy? And Ira 
brings up a very valid point that that induced rapid onset in Jennifer Fitzsimmons and that, you know, it accelerated things and it was torture. And Rachel doesn't want to torture Charlotte. Yeah, that's I what think I was she really say. cares for that girl. And she doesn't want Charlotte to go through what Jennifer went through. And we saw some of that in the videos that Cosima and Delphine watched. That was torture. And to put that on a little girl is a lot. And yeah, I don't think Rachel would do a treatment for Charlotte unless she was sure, or at least a majority of her was sure, that it would be beneficial and not more harmful. I think Rachel's very calculated, and we've seen that in the past. And I think going through a cost-benefit analysis in her head, I think the potential data to be gained from not treating Charlotte in terms of being able to help her sisters and potentially her someday, we don't know that she won't ever present with symptoms, right? Because that has to be in the back of her mind. She is infertile, so she has this condition, and it could present at any time. Um, And also not wanting to put Charlotte through the hell that Jennifer went through when the likely outcome is that she would just die anyway. And die sooner and horribly. Right. Because Charlotte doesn't even know anything's wrong. She didn't even say, oh, I'm sick. When I cough, I cough up blood or anything. She doesn't even understand that much. She just says, oh, yeah, that sometimes happens when I cough. And Rachel asks, how are you feeling? And Charlotte's like, why are you asking me this? That she's, like, like, she's like, I'm fine, you weirdo. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm good. Whatever. Like, oh, you have another note for me. That's great. I'm going to go to my room now. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that she doesn't want uh, Susan to know that Charlotte may be uh, something that she could use against her. Right. You know, feelings and stuff like that. She's just maybe putting it off until she could escape, you know. Right. And I definitely think compliance is going to be the way to Rachel's escape. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting point. And my question is, is this the entire reason Charlotte was created in the first place? Like, to create a new data set? I think Charlotte was created because they lost control over the Lita clones. Um, because, weird, when you grow people, um, they don't necessarily <laughs> act like they're not robots. Um, but I think they they tried very, very hard to create a new set of clones from Rachel's cells. And I think the point of it was to start a second batch of clones to see if they could get rid of, keep the infertility, but get rid of the autoimmune disorder. Yeah. I was wondering if the end game of the new batch of clones was to try to find a cure and not necessarily to, like, raise a new set of humans, but to have a new group of test subjects for medical experiments, like... Yeah. You know, because they were doing medical experiments on some of these clones as children. Correct. Which I think they have referenced in the show once in passing um, with Siobhan and Sarah when Sarah was asking her in season one, and I know this was a long time ago, but um, Sarah asked Siobhan, like, where she came from or whatever, and Siobhan was talking about children in the black and rumors were that they were subjects of medical experiments. And again, in the comics, that is true. Some of these children were subjects of medical experiments. And that's something you find out in the Helsinki comics. You meet some people who are just medical subject tests. And that's why MK calls herself MK 
because yeah. there were other girls that were only referred to by their letters and not by right. their names. Like, they don't even know their names anymore. Like, um, Cosima's is... 324B21. Yeah. And so, like, they show Jennifer and MK's numbers. Yeah. And MK pulled her new name from that. Um, because that's all she is. Right. Is it Jennifer's numbers? I thought her friend was Nikki. Nikki. Sorry. Nikki. For some reason in my head, Jennifer always had lighter hair. Even though I don't a little think, bit lighter. Even though I don't think we ever, long. like, we didn't see her as much with hair, because she was bald fairly quickly when we saw her. Yeah. But yeah, in my head, Jennifer always had really light hair. It was sort of more of a, like, reddish blonde. like Yeah, yeah. Almost auburn, maybe, but... So, and speaking of science, um, we got to see the gross head. We did. The head of Dyad. <laughs> um, and so that was interesting. And I, I really liked, um, during one of the commercial, uh, during one of the commercial breaks, um, Tatiana was like, oh my God, that was the grossest thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, because it was pretty gross. It was super, super gross. Oh, and this is something that Shane brought up to me when I was talking to him today. He wanted me to bring up who cut off Dr. Leakey's head to send it to Cosima and Scotty. Now, my thought was that it was some sort of cleaner or someone who, you know, like someone in Siobhan's network was maybe sent. But Shane was like, was it Allison or was it Donnie? It was Allison. You know, picture one of them cutting off a head. And it's kind of humorous. I thought it kind of, like, sloughed off his body. <laughs> yeah, it may have just kind of, like, come apart. She may not have had to, like, really do much. Um, but, yeah, and then so it, it glue in the dark, glowed in the dark, was phosphorescent, um, which is creepy. Um it is creepy. The science didn't make, like, a ton of sense to me, necessarily, the whole time, but I, it took me a, l- a bit, and then I sort of got it, that basically, yeah. if you're changing DNA, you're introducing some way to track what's changing, and the host died, so it's still trying to change things, so it creates its own shit, and yeah. that's glowing green, right? Like, in a nutshell? Yes. More cool. or less, yeah. Um. So, and then... We had Ferdinand. Hmm. Um, who did anybody catch Ferdinand's password? I didn't. Uh, no. no Corncob. Corncob. <laughs> and don't I don't want to know why. <laughs> that's his safe word with Rachel. Oh, oh my gosh! Right. It is. Oh. Oh, God. Yeah, that's amazing. Tata Nan. We'll call him for Tata Nan. You know, Ferdinand really loved Rachel. I, 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 well, I think as much as Ferdinand can love someone, right, in his way, he really, really, really does care about Rachel. He obsessed over Rachel, I would say. Yes. Um, and so I love the fact, and I just, I kind of liked the, because Sarah knows that Corn Cobb is the safe word, because she was Rachel. And so when he has to say his password, he's like, Corn Cobb, two words. And Sarah's just like, oh my God, really? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I just love the fact that Corncob is his uh, is his password, and that um, MK wasn't going to kill him. She just wanted to take all of his monies. So what is MK going to do with all of the monies? 
I assumed she was going to go after Rachel. Okay. I hadn't given it much thought, but that makes a lot of sense. If she does. I mean, she definitely has a vendetta against Rachel. And now knowing where she is, I mean, when she was talking to Ferdinand, he said, you found Rachel. And she was like, I found you first. So, yeah, yeah, that could be really interesting. Definitely. So I think we saw a really interesting side of Ferdinand this episode. I kind of like whimsical Ferdinand. I think Ferdinand has always been whimsical. He has. I just feel like we really got to see it shine. Like, Rachel being a foodie and only a fluffy frittata will she abide. And, you know, two plates Benjamin. And just, he's so whimsical. And then also, when Siobhan's about to cut the bomb and he wants to maybe make a long speech and whatnot, and she just cuts the wire. And (laughs) give me time to prepare. Like, what is that? He's such a drama queen. He is. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's a great... He had a bomb under his chair. (laughs) Cut him a little bit of slack. Such a drama queen. Stop panicking with a bomb that you're sitting on top of. Fair enough. And I love... uh, Ferdinand is one of those bad guys that I love. Yeah. He can stay a bad guy. I don't care. He doesn't need to be redeemed. I'm still going to enjoy every time he's on the show. Because he's a really fun bad guy. He's so good at being a bad guy. And I really appreciate fun bad guys. Like, I didn't like Dr. Cody. I wasn't excited when she was on the screen because she was such a, like, I liked to dislike her or she was such a good bad guy. She just was a bad guy and I didn't like her. Um, and it kind of got that way with Leaky. But, like, Ferdinand is just so funny. Yeah, he has personality. He's he's very much a Loki type bad guy, where you don't really want him to win, but you kind of want him to win. I don't want him to win, but I want him to be around. Yeah, I don't want him to be ultimately vanquished. No, I'd I'd really like him to to kind of always be the foe in the background, and to have to work with him reluctantly every once in a while can create some yeah. really interesting drama. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I think we covered everything. Um, we didn't talk about Trina and her meeting with um, uh, oh, yeah. Allison. Oh, yeah. What was Trina carrying? I don't know, but it wasn't I, a baby. It wasn't a baby, and she didn't have the eye anymore. Yeah, she was done with that shit. Yeah. She seemed real done with the illusion, and she was just real not interested in being okay, involved Matt, in that. Matt needs to put the dog out. Yeah, we'll let Matt put the dog out, and then we'll do uh, saves and everything. Um, but so, okay. Well, what did she mean by carrier? Why did she, she says to, you know, to Allison, um, I shouldn't have told you I was a carrier. Or I told you I was a carrier in confidence. Right, right. So is that the the baby was being carried or was it something else? I took it as she was carrying something in terms of, like, I was wondering if she got impregnated with some sort of brightborn thing. Yeah. And yeah, she or if it is. was the worm in the cheek, or both. I don't know. Um, it, I very much think it could have been, like, one of the first rounds of Brightborns. Like, I was she, was a willing, right. I, she was a willing surrogate for, like, the first round. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, I mean, and and 
I didn't even notice that she didn't have the eye anymore, but that's a good point because obviously whatever happened with whatever, whoever she was carrying upset her and she had told Beth to drop it, whatever it was. I did think it was awfully convenient that she showed up to where Allison was because what are the, like, just the likelihood of Trina being in Scarborough seemed a bit convenient to me. That's nitpicky, but it just kind of, it struck me as I was watching it again, but um, but well, yeah, it's a good place to hide. <laughs> that's true. They do have a Bed Bath and Beyond there, right? But it kind of—I don't know. I think it'll be. I really do want to know what she was carrying, and I kind of hope we hear more from her. Like, I hope they can find her again or get in contact with her or something. Definitely, because I think she could have a really interesting story to tell. Well, I'm going on the presumption since they brought her up that she's going to be. Part, an important part of the story, so. I hope so. No. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. Delphine, but they didn't say she was dead yet. Right. Right. The show often lets things simmer. Which, what? Which is dumb. <laughs> and also the way to continue telling stories and keep you tuning in. Meh. So how much feedback do we have? Do we go with that first, or? Uh, we have two. Well, how about we just start with feedback then, and do yeah. the rest after? Yeah, we can do feedback. Okay. Hi, clone dancers. This episode reminded me how much I prefer the Allison and Donnie scenes over pretty much everything else this show has to offer. I feel like the writers have a special feel for that part of the show, and it just sings. I'm sorry, it just sings. Sort of like Sarah Stubbs and Allison at their local coffee shop. I have mixed feelings about Helena leaving the Hendricks' home. Helena is one of my favorite clones, and I would love a season of her trying to fit into suburbia. On the other hand, Helena staying there meant that we weren't going to get as much pure Hendricks fun. I do have a problem with Donnie this episode. What he said to Helena certainly resonated with me. My wife had several miscarriages and was told she could not have children, which turned out to be incorrect. And we went through some dark times, and I understand those raw feelings. But, and this is a big but, this is not the sort of thing to discuss with a pregnant woman, ever. Donnie almost made up for that with his comic near failure to get his sample in the cup. I've come to like Ferdinand so much over his last few appearances that I I had forgotten that he was involved in Helsinki. It was nice for once to see someone other than Sarah be in a death trap. This week, I am not trusting Dizzy. He was too eager to be involved. Also, so much for Rachel bonding with Charlotte. I guess she is intent on reclaiming her cold bitch mantle. I give this six fluffy, fluffy frittatas out of ten. Harold. Thank you, Harold. And then we have this from Nutty. Delphine wasn't listed as deceased in the dyad files. If they killed her, it would have been there. Delphine lives. I can't blame Mika Vera. She's right to not trust Sarah after Ferdinand. Sarah is making deals with the devil because she has to, but if she were in Mika Ferreira's position, she'd likely make the same choice as she is, you know, without meeting the other clones. 
Mrs. S. is still amazing. Can't help but believe she was involved in the troubles, as it's called back in her day. Also, she handles her kids well. Family meeting, get them to talk again. Sarah is still being rude and selfish to all. Everything about the IVF clinic was great. So what do we think? Are the bots making people able to conceive? Are they putting clones in people? What? I knew when Helena and Donnie talked that Helena would leave. Sadly, Donnie is too thick to realize that. And I'm glad they addressed that the egg canister couldn't keep the eggs alive forever. This season, I am loving. Thank you, Nutty. Thank you, Nutty. I agree, Nutty. This season is great. Thank you, Nutty. And and, uh, Nutty was the one who pointed out that Delphine wasn't dead. Um, So don't don't yell at me too hard, Nutty, (laughs) for forgetting that it was you. Um, Nutty and her crazy theories. I know. Thinks that uh, Tyrion Lannister is really a Targaryen. Come on, Nutty. Get real. <laughs> he could be. Nice. I mean, his no, he isn't. His description is, in the books is very Targaryen-esque. <clears throat> um, but, so let's start off with our favorite clone and favorite non-clone. Sandra? Oh, we're not going to do quotes? Well, we'll get there. Okay, fine. <laughs> We don't have to do it in the normal order. I just have favorite clone Ooh. written down first, so that's okay. we're doing it that way. Okay. Uh, so, Sandra, favorite clone and non-clone? My favorite clone is tricky. It's really tricky. I don't remember her. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Like, she's a new one. You didn't really meet. She was in the background. Um, you didn't, she's just off screen, I promise. But I think my favorite clone this time... Even though I'm very tempted to go with MK because we got to see her and I've grown kind of attached to her through the comics. And I'm tempted to go with Allison because it's Allison. I'm actually going to go with Cosima because I just, we didn't see her a lot in this episode, but I just really, really like the sciencey stuff that she's doing. And also, I think that Tatiana Maslany is just playing her so well. Cosima looks ill and Cosima looks in pain and Cosima looks really sad and kind of like she's not doing well and it just makes me want to hug her even more than I always want to hug her because she's Cosima and she's my favorite so I'm going to go with Cosima there and my favorite non-clone I think I have to go with Donnie for being Donnie because that scene with him and Helena was just so adorable all his stuff with Felix and he you know he settled into the gay thing a little bit better when they had their cute little interaction with the wedding rings that I was going to mention. Like, yeah. I forgot to mention it earlier, but, like, some of us don't need our wedding rings. Da, 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 da. And, like, I don't know. Donnie, I feel like Donnie grew and learned a lot in this episode and was also adorable. So those are my choices. All right. Uh, Matt? I'm going to say my favorite clone is MK. I thought her backstory was very enticing in the way that she sort of, uh, well, well, the way she threatened, for lack of a better term, uh, Ferdinand was fantastic. And I was very interested in, in her. So I'm going to say, uh, terrible wig and all. I really enjoyed MK. <laughs> and then for non-clone, um, I'm going to say Dizzy. I'm very, really interested in him. And I thought he was a great partner for Sarah. Good sidekick. And saved her life, or at least her legs. 
All right. All right. So, um, yeah. Janice? Um, I'm going to oh, well, go with Allison as my favorite clone and Donnie as my favorite non-clone. All right. Uh, Lynette? I really felt like this was the non-clone show because I was way more interested in them than I was the clones. They were interesting. They were great. But I had a hard time picking one that was the best or the most interesting. Probably, I would say, MK and Helena really. And Allison was great, too. I don't know. I, I can't tell you. For non-clones, it has to be more than one because I really love the uh, – Donnie Fee show there. That was lovely. <laughs> really lovely. And Ferdinand was great. So I can't give you one. Um, I am kind of in the same boat as Lynette. I had a really hard time picking the, uh, a favorite clone this week because I was more interested uh, in the non-clones. Um, but I'm going to go with a tie between Helena and MK for my favorite clone for this week. And my favorite non-clone was Ferdinand and his <laughs> fluffy frittatas. frittatas. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, quote Sandra? Who's the science now, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I have to go for the obvious one. Right? Because uh, my girl. Matt? You're mincing. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, Janice? Um... This is, we didn't actually discuss this part of the scene where it's Donnie and Helena, but he says something at the end, and it was really kind of sad. He says, you just have to tiptoe. Try not to set her off. You'll get used to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Lynette? Allison's so spicy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no one took my quote this week. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, especially in Bailey Downs. <laughs> oh. All right, so favorite scene, Sandra? This one's tricky. This one's really tricky. Um, I think I have to go with stalling because I'm still thinking about it. And also, I think I'm going to go with MK and Ferdinand. And the gasoline and the dousing and all of that. I really enjoyed it. I think especially because I knew her backstory, but just I love Ferdinand. And he was a very, very close second for my favorite non-clone also. It has to be either that or Allison and Sarah Stubbs singing Jesus Christ Superstar. Like, I just can't choose. (laughs) That was great. That was gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, um, that woman shushing them. Like, shut up. They're doing some I know. impromptu singing. Doing like, the sing-along. I have like, been in a coffee shop where we have just had an impromptu sing-along, and it was glorious. So stop ruining everyone's fun. Grumpy old tag. Seriously. Matt? Uh, I will echo that sentiment and say that my favorite scene was Ferdinand being uh, stuck on a chair with a bomb underneath. Like, <laughs> I didn't really know what was going to happen. So, yeah, it was... I kind of expected the bomb to go off when he stood up, even if... I did, too. Yeah. Yeah, only because Mrs. S purposefully didn't cut the right right way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Janice? Um, I like the the, uh, Air Alitalia scene with Donnie and Allison. Someone needed to like that scene. That was great. Lynette? So I liked all the scenes you guys were talking about, so I'll pick a different one. I just really like watching Donnie and 
and Fee at the counter and like talking about it, yeah. calling each other darling. <laughs> that was that was so campy. <laughs> that was really good. Um, I am going to go with, even though it was so gross, Cosima Scott and Leaky's head. Yeah, yeah. Um, and little Scott in the background never gave me a raise. <laughs> Not one. <laughs> <Eight>. <laughs> um, and turning on and off the lights kind of annoying, Scotty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was good. Um, Sandra, uh, what is your rating? I am terrible at rating things. I am notoriously terrible at rating things, right? Like, I hate rating wrestling shows. I hate rating television shows. So I always just end up picking a number, so don't read too much into this. I really liked this episode. I thought it was good. Um, so I think I'm going to just kind of arbitrarily go 8 out of 10 bioluminescent tumors. Sounds good. Uh, Matt? I really enjoyed this one. I'm going to say 9 out of 10 um, flight, flight attendant fantasies. I don't know. That's good. That's good. All right. All right. Uh, Janice? Um, I like this episode, too. I thought a lot happened, and there were there were good scenes. I think it went really quickly. Um, I'm going to rate it 9 out of 10 canisters of little science babies. Oh, yeah. Lynette? Bye, bye science babies. <laughs> I really like this show, this one. It was... Uh, really well done and kept my interest. So I'm going to give it a 9.75 out of 10 robust and healthy bright born babies. <laughs> All right. Um, I felt this one was very transition-y. Um, I mean, it, it is episode four. So we're right in the middle of the transition-y episodes from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. Um, so I'm giving it an eight out of 10 corn cobs. Oh, corn cobs. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right, so uh, we will see everybody. Oh, Sandra, real quick, where do we find you again? You can find me. I'm with Inside the Ropes, so if you go to Facebook, you search Inside the Ropes. It's a wrestling podcast. We talk about wrestling basically a lot, and it's really fun. Um, You can also follow me on Twitter for wrestling chat and other goodness. It's mostly wrestling chat, though, let's be honest. Like, I basically tweet during Raw. I was live tweeting up a storm right before I came on to record here at SandraRuthRW. And, yeah, that's about it. Um, InsideTheRopes.co.uk. Check us out. All right. And so we will see you guys next time for Season 4, Episode 5, Human Raw Material. That does not sound... No, that does not sound appetizing. No. Nothing about that sounds good. Um, Yeah, that doesn't sound uh, pregnant brain. Um, Scary, startling, foreshadowing. There we go. Does not sound foreshadowy at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, not at all. Alright, so bye clone dancers. Bye. Uh, all right. Bye. Bye guys. And my dog just knocked my microphone on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was right after we all said goodbye. So uh, it's yeah. totally fine.